This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to On the Bench. This is Brendan Sinone. I am joined by Joshua Newberg, Christopher Nee. This is either going to be the best podcast we've done in a while or the worst one. I, I can't quite figure it out. It's a weird energy as we record this. Josh is dancing. Chris has been awake for three minutes. Uh, my anxiety is just uh, more than usual. Stop dancing, Josh. It's distracting. Why? It's also oddly, it's oddly, it's oddly turning me on a little it's bit too. Awesome no, too. It's just, it's weird for the first thing of the morning. All right. This is, uh, I got a question for you guys. That's how we're going to start this podcast off. As of today, Thursday morning here, what's today's date? August 13th? Oh, we just missed. We just missed Friday the thirteenth. Yes, so close. Day. So close. Is FSU going to play a organized, legitimate football game in September? If you asked me a week ago, I know what my answer would have been. It'd been no. Right now, I think yes. But what do you guys think? I think yes. I think yes. I think um, I'm pretty certain that we're going to see football. I don't think there's going to be any adults that get in the way of football happening in September. Put it that way. Adults yeah, from the ACC or SEC or Big 12, I think of those players. I'm with you, Josh. If those players want to play, they'll be able to play, I think. Yeah, I think as long as the ACC and the SEC stay dancing partners in this whole union and this whole belief that they need to play and they want to play and that they put in the safety protocols necessary to play, I think we see football. Now, all it's going to take is – one or two programs having massive outbreaks and having to shut down for days on time, you know, basically turning into the Miami Marlins or St. Louis Cardinals in the baseball world. Mm -hmm. I think that would put a real uh, dent in the side of plans. But as of right now, I think they fully intend to play. And I think, you know, I, I think what we saw transpire earlier this week over Monday, Tuesday, well, really starting on Sunday and concluding more so around Tuesday, Wednesday, I, I think kind of laid out the roadmap of the intentions of what the 2020 college football season in the fall is supposed to look like. That's what a lot of this episode is going to focus on is one, since our last podcast, FSU has aligned with Florida governor, Rob DeSantis. Uh, I said, Rob, Ron DeSantis, R O N. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of aligned together in trying to make the football season happen. We're going to go over what that press conference or roundtable or kind of honestly a, a dog and pony show, but uh, at least they're showing that they're a, a union there and working together. And if you're a fan of college football, I think that's positive. Uh, so we're going to go over that. But since then, too, we've also gotten some news that a Florida State player has tested positive for COVID. Uh, I don't think it's going to be super surprising like this is going to happen. And then another player, in addition to Jamarcus Chapman, uh, Dennis Briggs, is opting out for this season. So over COVID concerns. So there's a lot to, to talk about regarding this topic because, I don't know, guys, this is just, this is the 
this is what we're dealing with right now is as football is trying to happen and FSU continues to move forward with camp. And don't worry, we're going to have camp details and uh, some, some tidbits on recruiting as well. Uh, but this is kind of the conversation of the day and it's tough to avoid. So uh, before we get too much further into it, I want to thank Daniel Garland of Evershore Financial for sponsoring this podcast, sponsoring every podcast we're doing this month. We appreciate his support. He said that he's had listeners and, and friends from back when he was at FSU reach out to say that they're hearing him on the podcast. So that's cool. Uh, I'll drop a little bit more information on how you can get in touch with Daniel Garland of Evershore Financial in a little bit, but but shout out to him. Thank you, Daniel. All right, Chris, uh, let's take them back to Tuesday. I was in a doctor's appointment and I come out to my phone and see that all of a sudden there's a press conference, like in an hour with, with Ron DeSantis and FSU President John Thrasher and AD David Coburn. Uh, additionally, Mike Norvell and a couple players, Joshua Kando and Keyshawn Helton add to that mix as well. So, so let's get into like just how that day unfolded for us there, please, if you will. Well, we expected to have immediate availability with the actual team with Coach Norvell. I think it was supposed to be 11.30 a.m. that day. Roughly an hour before that, it got axed and said that we weren't going to have that. Instead, here we go. Here's this roundtable that will be happening in the IPFD indoor practice facility at Florida State with the governor being joined by dignitaries and uh, the coaching and players. And uh, you're welcome to attend. Please wear a mask. You know, FSU anything inside an athletic facility right now, you have to wear a mask. And you go, and it's supposed to be a roundtable, but in reality, it's more of a, a political speech supporting the university, university supporting the political speech, the university putting out their message, having the coach and the players reinforce that message with their thoughts on it and their belief that they should play. I, I think it's a good example of John Thrasher showing his former life as a, you know, leading politician in the state and his connections there kind of pulling that power. While Ron DeSantis also wants to get his platform out, which is we want to return to athletics in the state of Florida, not solely in the college game, but or not solely in college football, but in all college athletics as well as high school athletics, which is something that's still kind of boiling and figuring itself out with the FHSAA meeting coming up here, I believe, tomorrow, Friday. Um, so it was just, you know, we want to hit the field and from FSU's perspective, we believe we put in the safety protocols to hit the field. And from the player perspective, we also want to play ball kind of playing off the, we want to play movement that roared up on Sunday evening into Monday. And we discussed that, that movement on our last podcast. When was that? Was that a Monday, Chris, or Tuesday? I feel like so much has happened since then. I'm losing Monday. days at this point. It was, it was Monday. Monday. Oh, cause it was Josh's yeah. birthday. Hey, Josh, how was your birthday? It was good, man. It was good. Okay, good, good. Uh, Josh and I had a conversation on Sunday evening. We were just, remember, everything was kind of unfolding at that point. And to both no, of I us, called, no, we didn't have here. a conversation. I called to check on you specifically. You called to check yes. on me? Oh. <laughs> Having seen, so it, Sunday was a crazy time because at the beginning of the podcast, you said if you would have asked us a week ago what we thought about the football season our opinions would have been different now if you would have asked mm -hmm. us on sunday just four right. days ago what we thought i mean i was trying to take three days off i was trying to take saturday sunday monday off and all this weird stuff was happening like i wasn't on the computer too much on saturday but i woke up on sunday morning to see basically like college football had just fallen apart overnight it was, it was and i was asking you guys in the group chat i was like what 
like what was the catalyst for this what happened last night why did this happen but it just seemed like it was spiraling out of control right and then i think yesterday's press conference at least gave us or two days ago's press conference gave us some hope that you know that the season is going to be played that the folks at florida state are saying whoa 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 pump the brakes like we're not doing what the big 10 is going to do so quickly we're going to give this a little bit more time and thought so i did like that message but my question to you brendan do you think everything is succinct behind the scenes as it was in that press conference when you had DeSantis and, and Thrasher kind of holding hands up there? Mm, no, I don't. Uh, first, can we describe it? I described it as a dog and pony show. Do we think that's fair? To an extent. I mean, I, I don't think it was a FSU athletics thing because a little behind the scenes, I had put up a, a story saying that there was going to be an FSU press conference at 1130 a.m. At about, I don't know, 1040, Chris texts me, hey, Josh, take down the story press conference not happening. And then in five minutes later, you come in with the email that you just received saying, actually, it's going to be an interview with Ron DeSantis and Thrasher. It is at 1130. It's just going to be dipped. So all of that leads me to believe that FSU athletics, they kind of got, you know, sideswiped by all this. They were planning on rolling out Mike Norvell with the players. And I'm sure it wasn't their decision. You know, they probably got a text from above saying, hey, this is what's happening today. Mike Norvell needs to be there and bring two players. Yeah, I, I think it was very much a DeSantis thrasher deal more than it was FSU athletics. Um, but, I mean, it goes hand in hand. FSU right now needs to play football, needs to have athletics in the fall from a financial standpoint. It's kind of a necessity. They believe they've done what is necessary to allow that to happen. I think they just wanted to get out there with that message of we're in a good spot to do this. And then they have the backing of student athletes on stage and the head coach on stage saying, yes, we're also behind this, that we're we're for playing. And I, I think it was just kind of trying to get that message out. Obviously, there was a lot of you know information being pushed out there between Sunday and Tuesday in the college landscape both, you know, we should shut it down versus we want to play. And I think FSU just wanted to have kind of a very solid footing there. And I mean, Thrasher shred, said it. Next time he has a president's meeting with the league, he wants to be able to say that I have the support of my coach, my AD, the university, and my governor. And I think that meeting was somewhat so he could reinforce that message even further. I think a lot of it is, uh, I guess, grandstanding would be kind of the right word. That's what, of, that's what I meant, Chris, and Dog and Pony Show. That's probably a better way to to. to yeah, it. I, I think it was a matter of trying to put forth the message, show support for the message, and try to get others to gravitate towards that message or to stick to their beliefs if that's the similar feeling or where they stand on things. And I think a lot of it is the ACC and the SEC. We've seen, you know, kind of a media blitz with some ACC programs. I think Notre Dame was on the Today Show, I want to say, yesterday morning. You know, obviously, some guys have been on the ACC network. Manny Diaz actually had a great comment yesterday morning about COVID and that we're all our own personal bubbles on uh, Packer and Durham. You know, we've seen other guys on radio shows from the league and stuff. So I think there's been kind of an effort to, if you believe it, let's go do it. And I think FSU just took it up a notch with the support of the governor. And it was also beneficial to the governor. Let's not act like he did yeah. out of kindness of his heart. And that's again, it certainly got into the waters of political. I mean, let's. Oh, no doubt. I know we tried to avoid that on the message board as long as we have, but like now it's 
football is political now. Like just the president's tweeting about it. The governor's having press conferences yeah. and I no, I agree with round that. Don't you feel like to an extent, like if I come out here and I say, I want to see football played. If, if I make that blanket statement out into say Twitter or something, it's going to be interpreted as a political statement right now in the current climate that we're yeah. at. If I just come out and say, I want to see football played this, this fall it's going to be interpreted as political. Of course, it's going to become political when the president tweets about it. But this weekend, things shifted heavily. Like Everybody was just talking about college football for weeks. And now when you talk about college football, it like people interpret it with a political undertone. Yeah, I think you guys know, know I'm not particularly political, but when you're involving presidents, ADs, coaches, athletes, and then, you know, states that make a lot of money off the back of college athletics, um, it's going to trend that direction, especially in today's climate. I think the other thing about uh, Tuesday's press conference that is worth mentioning is that anytime you're being that kind of bold and direct with messages, and FSU talked a lot about protocols, and how they're going about doing things and how they believe they're creating a safe environment, and they explain some of the steps they're taking. I think anytime you do that, it involves just from a football perspective, you know, 150 people, about 110 athletes, 120 athletes, and then all of your coaches, sports staff, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think it can get a little, get into the territory of you have to worry about every single word you say because, you know, if you misstep and somebody takes exception to it, you can have a flare up of, you know, unhappiness. I think that's always a concern. I think the other thing that you got to worry about out of a meeting like that is you say something and it's proven untrue or it goes sideways immediately after because that causes instantaneous blowback upon the words that you put out there. So I, I, it comes with a calculated risk doing what they did on Tuesday, but I think overall the win for them was that they want to be at the forefront of the message of why they want to play and why they believe they can do it in a safe manner. Going off of that, and Josh, you asked me about – the messaging and whether everything was as hunky-dory behind the scenes. We saw some players tweeting during the press conference around the same time there were comments about testing weekly currently and then switching that to testing twice, uh, multiple times a week during the season. And let's put it this way, some players made it seem, again, it's tough because it's subtweet, it wasn't directly, but they seemed they weren't super thrilled with that messaging that's to Chris's point in saying when you have a hundred and something people involved, not everyone's going to see things the same way. I did check with some sourcing on that. Yeah, there are people who inside the program weren't thrilled with that line of messaging from Florida State. I didn't feel like that level of testing was as consistent with all players as as they had said. Uh, but that's it's tough to confirm because when we've asked Florida State about positive tests in the past, uh, they've deferred to just basically hiding behind HIPAA guidelines, which I don't think necessarily applies to, to this, but they've been very vague in saying what the fallout has been for COVID testing, other than they're yeah, doing it and that maybe they've had a positive test with at least I, one But I don't before. think behind the scenes it's been anything to shut down workouts or... I, um. Well... Yeah, we had heard rumors and on substantiate. I want to get into a rumor mill here early in July, uh, but but let's kind of take this conversation to right now with DJ Matthews last night, tweeted out and then deleted that he had tested positive for That's COVID. Uh, it was something all right. And shortly thereafter, I had heard that several players at least were were now going to be on quarantine. And the reaction to me from 
seeing people saying, oh, no, this is awful. You know, we don't want anyone getting COVID. Like, that's the whole point. This is scary for all of us that we're in it together. DJ just wanted to uh, let but, you know he caught something. Oh, Jesus. I thought we went over that pre-show that we weren't going to make you that said- joke. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, that reaction to the news to me was interesting because you see doom and gloom and people say this is the season now. Listen, if they are testing players as regularly as they say they are, you're on campus, you're together in groups. This is kind of the deal. Uh, players are going to get COVID. Uh, this is this is what you're uh, basically, you know, we saw what the press conference was on Tuesday with everyone kind of holding hand in hand and saying we're moving forward with this and we think this is a safe place. Uh, football is inherently unsafe. The two players that we're talking about being safe at Florida State are both coming off season-ending leg injuries, which required surgery. So football inherently is unsafe. This is kind of the thing that, if you play football, uh, I have a broken leg from playing football. I have a metal rod in my leg. Like you kind of understand this is what you're doing. It's going to be unsafe. COVID obviously different than a, than a broken limb because we don't know exactly the complete complications from that. I, I say all this because guys are going to test positive. Players are going to be quarantined if they're in contact with someone who tested positive. Brace yourself because if you want football to be played the next few months, that's what's going to happen. And we can't yeah. freak out every time someone tests positive for COVID or else there won't be a season if they're, if everyone freaks out every single time. You obviously don't want positive tests, but you certainly don't want an outbreak. And if you have correct protocols in place, the hope is that you identify it early, you figure out contact tracing, you eliminate the possibility of an outbreak beyond what has already happened to that point in time. I do think in this situation, if FSU does believe that their methods are working effectively and say they're testing, again, 150 people within the football program. I'm just using a round number there. But, you know, you have about 110 student-athletes, coaches, support staff. So I think that number is probably in the ballpark. If you're testing that many and you're having a very limited amount of returns of positive tests, I think it's worthwhile to say, you know, hey, we tested 150 people this week. And you can say how many total tests you administered instead of people, if you prefer that. This is the positives. Among the positives, these people are asymptomatic, mild symptoms, et cetera, onward. Notre Dame's done that. Plenty of other programs have done that. I think if it reinforces your message of we're doing it the right way and it's safe, it's probably actually worthwhile to put out there. I've not really understood why FSU is so adamant about not putting out there. We've seen you know, obviously the NBA, the NHL have put out a ton. Major League Baseball has even put out a lot to kind of say that the Marlins and the Cardinals specifically are kind of uh, the exception, not the rule of that league's issues with outbreaks. Um, and then we've seen it in the college game when individual programs either saying football players tested or total athletes tested. And I just think it can reinforce a message of it's positive. Now, if it's not a positive, I get maybe saying we don't want to put it out there, but I think in a way the stubbornness with numbers, when you have a student athlete run to Twitter and let it be known that he has it, that he's tested positive, I think it may be worthwhile to counter that message with, well, he's one of 150 or, you know, something like that. I just, I I think there's ways you can control that message and spin it in a positive manner to reinforce the message of we want to return to the field and we're doing it the right way. I think there should be transparency, transparency for most things in life, but we're in the midst of a global pandemic right now. And these are scholarship athletes playing football for a public university. I feel like this is a matter of public health to know for the public to know that's all of us living. Chris and I live in Tallahassee. If there's 
people testing positive at Florida State, at FAMU, at local schools, at government buildings. Uh, I mean, the numbers are kept. I don't want to get it. I guess never mind. I don't want to get too far into it. I, I do think it's worthwhile to be transparent. And I, I do wish there was more transparency on the end of Florida State for this. EJ was trying to be transparent. Yeah, he was. I I have nothing. DJ, I don't have any problem with the players saying that. Remember, he, he seemed upset. He said, "Wear a mask." He the, the, could have said, "Wear uh, a little bit more." Times times definitely change. Remember, uh, and I pointed this out that this was going to stop happening. But back in March and April, when any athlete that tested positive would kind of tweet like he tested positive, and it was kind of like a show of solidarity, like you know, us celebrities are out here testing positive too. This is a scary thing. Um, especially in the NBA, you know, a lot of the NBA players were tweeting it. So we're football players. Yeah. And I just knew that like, this was going to be a thing that stops very quickly once they actually try to turn around and play sports, but they were being applauded for it, for, for sharing the news on, on social media back then. And now it's like, hurry up, get that, get that out of here. Get that out of here. <laughs> well, it, it almost kind of stigmatizes it, like makes it like getting COVID. I mean, obviously it is a bad thing, but like something you shouldn't be getting. Mm-hmm. It almost kind of puts a scarlet letter on it by trying to hide the I numbers mean, F- and trying to not FSU be. FSU Baselli tested positive for it early. They did a whole feature on him. Seminoles.com yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, and that... They put him out there with CN on the uh, major headline news the other day too. Yeah. yeah. I think what Andrew's case specifically, the reason they had to kind of go and do that is his dad's obviously so well known, especially in the Jacksonville sports market because of his time with the Jaguars and now what he does covering the NFL. So, you know, it, it had gotten out that Tony had it and had it really bad. I believe, I don't remember if it was ICU or if he was just ventilated, but he, he was in the hospital and he had it real rough and it, it had kind of started getting out there that he was far from the only family member that had dealt with it. So I think they had to be ahead of that story in their defense. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, the other related, and we'll get to football stuff shortly here, the only other related item kind of in on this whole topic, Jamarcus Chapman last week, FSU put out a statement saying that he was opting out of the season. He has uh, family. I think it was either a friend or family member that was dealing with it right now and dealing with the COVID and uh, basically said he didn't want to be expose himself further this season. FSU will honor his scholarship. Uh, Dennis Briggs, it came out during that Tuesday press conference roundtable deal. Uh, Mike Norvell, was it Mike Norvell who said that there was a second player, Chris? Yeah, Norvell said it during the roundtable. And then we had to confirm it with uh, Coburn. confirmed it afterwards uh, with Briggs, who I believe is Chapman's roommate. Yes, yeah, they're close together. They've been friends since they enrolled together. Uh, Football perspective, let's talk about that real quick and start transitioning to less serious topic matter. Uh, you know, I, I don't think the Chapman was going to be a depth player. Uh, he did seem to get in pretty good shape this offseason, was taking it seriously. He seemed like he was pos- putting himself in position to at least contribute to the depth. Dennis Briggs is someone who started a couple games last year. He is a pretty important part of the defense, but fortunately for Florida State, the depth at defensive tackle is pretty exceptional. Uh, if you had to lose someone, that's probably the position where you feel okay losing someone. Dennis Briggs is probably going to be the third uh, member of the, the three-tech rotation. So it does hurt the depth a little bit, but you're okay there. I think if you're Florida State, again, not ideal, but uh, that's fine. Uh, we haven't heard of anyone else right now testing positive. Sorry, I'm, I'm stumbling around a little bit because I'm getting calls and text messages with work-related stuff. Does someone want to pick up for me for a sec? 
But I think it will be interesting. The NCA announced yesterday that they recommended protections and adopted emergency legislation, which now has to be approved pertaining to opt-outs. This came out around 6.30 p.m. last evening, so on Wednesday evening. And essentially, it says that an extension of the five-year period of eligibility and an additional season of competition if they participate in 50% or less of the maximum number of competition allowed in each sport by Division I roles. So it is the legislation we've been waiting on on opt-outs. So I think that could influence guys. I think some that some guys probably fears if they've already taken their red shirt losing that year. You know, if they don't have NFL aspirations or they don't believe they're prepared for the NFL and they need to return to the college game for potentially another year or two years, this will allow that if their clock was at that point going into the decision. So, yeah, you know, I, I think that's worth bringing up because I think that could influence guys who may be teetering on the fence of making a decision. And I'm not solely talking at FSU. I'm talking in general in college. Athletics. Yeah, we've talked a lot about Florida State's depth at defensive line, especially at defensive end. How do you think these opt-outs affect Florida State's depth? And, you know, moving forward, how do you replace a Jamarcus Chapman and Dennis Briggs? I, I don't think Chapman's one that you're really super concerned with right now from a depth standpoint. He was going to have to play himself more into the depth chart, in my opinion. With Briggs, I think it just weakens you at the third deep of the defensive tackle rotation. But more than anything, it's like a, a you know a year abroad instead of playing football in the sense of preparing for when you do need to call him into duty, which would probably be next year when you potentially have two to three less defensive tackles on your roster at the top of the depth chart now. So I think his issue is more long-term, that it's more – it damages the idea of his development more, you know, for 2021 than mm-hmm. 2020. But I don't think it's particularly a big issue for 20. The one thing I would add to that, and sorry, I'm not distracted anymore, uh, is that depth is going to be – we always use the term depth when describing how a position group is is laying out. I don't know how to quantify what's good depth and what's bad depth this year based on playing through a pandemic. Like if someone gets a positive test and it happens in a position room where all of a sudden you have to quarantine a few guys, like we're seeing currently with, with DJ Matthews, all of a sudden that becomes even more important, right? Like if, if I think there's a good chance that you're going to be getting to the third and fourth members of your rotation a lot earlier in games, middle of the season than you would probably have uh, like but that's just gonna be the reality of this season yeah yeah okay. and I think depth is gonna play an important part um unfortunately Florida State lacks a whole lot of quality depth at positions because like you said if we see even a handful more opt-outs it's really going to impact this roster I'm curious to see maybe this is something I know this is super early on but what the NCAA is going to do if the NCAA does anything that is uh if they'll allow teams to open up one-year scholarships for transfers from say like the FCS level of conferences where guys aren't them. playing. Why do you, I mean, what, what rule does the NCAA uh, that, even have right now? If only the SEC and ACC are playing, just take them. I know, I, I know that's we're going to probably point. get to this too, because there's going to be a flood of players going into the, into the uh, transfer portal and Florida state doesn't have any room, more room right now due to the 25 rule. Uh, they're waiting on a waiver that might free them up one one spot in September. Um, but right now, they don't know that. I say just take players. But you do yeah, have to get it, them a scholarship. Yeah. I mean, you may have to be under the NCAA scholarship limits, but you do financially have to make Well, I think they have them. room financially. 
Yeah, I, guess I don't so. think they're, you know, I think the, the, the 25, not the 110. The NCAA is being forced into a situation where they're having to make up rules as they go and that they're behind mm-hmm. on making up those rules. I mean, the legislation for opt-outs come yesterday and opt-outs has been something that's kind of been discussed since at least August 1st in the sense of guys actually doing it. Um, so, you know, 12-day turnaround basically for that. And it's got to be approved, I think, on the 21st. So it's actually like a three-week deal. Isn't so that mind blowing, Chris? That that, that no, the NCAA no, is just no, not, no. Not I guess all you're not. You're... They they are a very poorly run organization that's turned into something that's fairly meaningless, but yet they still do uh, create legislation that matters and pertains to the sport. So no, it's not surprising. They're a horribly run organization that you know hasn't been proactive and has a horrible president who's an empty suit. So no, it's not at all. Um, I mean, it's kind of place that hires Stan Wilcox. So what do you expect? Um, God. Chris has been so Josh, you missed it. Chris was so salty on the last podcast, too. Like, not, not salty, salty man. Stan, facts, Stan, Wilcox, Stan Wilcox was a bad AD for Florida State Athletics. He did plenty of good. I'm not diminishing anything that he did positively, but a lot of the issues that FSU currently has with financials and things that they've done as a program is because of what Stan Wilcox did. And now he's at the NCAA making bigger rules and having a bigger hand over college athletics. I just I don't think that's a positive. I I think that speaks to the kind of people that they put inside the building there. And I think Mark, Mark Emmert more than anybody personifies that. I think he's a horrible president. You know, I don't know how much he could do during a pandemic, but I know that he's gone out of his way to do as little as possible. And I think that's a very bad thing and a very bad sign. I think that's why college athletics right now looks like a, you know, wasteland that's being run by a lot of different small entities and not having any central leadership. And that that's why we had the week we've had with trying to figure out it's why things are so divided and why you have conferences saying, we're not playing an athletic event until January 1st, like the Pac-12 conferences that say, we're not playing football four or five days after they release a schedule and other conferences being adamant that they are going to play football. That comes down to the leadership at the top and there isn't any, and that's the problem with the NCAA. Um, so I just I think that it's going to be interesting to see roster limits, how they're handled, scholarships, how they're handled in the sense of, you know, allowing more, you know, if they are going to try to pull off a spring season, which I still think is a whole not topic at hand. How do early enrollees figure into that? There's just so much they have to figure out with the changing landscape and they're playing catch up constantly because they're not proactive. They're not ahead of it. They're not leading the conversation. And that that's not good for anybody because that's putting a lot of people in limbo and a lot of people are really unsure of how to navigate these waters well guys you know who can help you navigate through uncertain waters daniel garland of evershore financial Oh, wow you're right dan garland of evershore financial he can take care of you for all your financial planning needs and brendan did you know he's a florida state fan and graduate a a two-time graduate of florida state he is so we want to support the people who are supporting us. And well, let's uh, let's go to my, my ad read real quick and tell you a little bit more Give about more. Daniel Garland, how he can help you with your finances. Right now, we're experiencing some of the most difficult economic circumstances of all time. In times like these, it's important to have a financial plan for your finances. Dan Garland and Greg Abdallah are financial professionals and diehard Seminoles. As professionals with specialties in current financial position analysis, investments, retirement planning, 
risk management, and life insurance, you can get a comprehensive financial plan to help guide you to your long-term goals. Dan and Greg are FINRA-registered financial professionals with Evershore Financial Group. With four offices in Florida and clients all over the country, you know you can get individualized help from someone who cares. Call Dan today at 321-304-4026 for a no-obligation consultation. One more time, that's 321-304-4026. Separate from the financial plan and our role as financial planner, we may recommend the purchase of specific investment or insurance products or accounts. These product recommendations are not part of the financial plan and you are under no obligation to follow them. Dan Garland and Greg Abdallah are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services, Inc. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Securing Financial Services, Inc., member of FINRA SIPC. Evershore Financial Group is independently owned and operated. 750 North Maitland Avenue, Maitland, Florida, 32751. All right. Thank you again, Daniel, for supporting the show. We do appreciate it. So let's... Uh, Let's talk a little bit about camp real quick, and then we'll get into the recruiting scoop, and then we'll call it a day. I have a few little tidbits for you guys. I'm just going to run run down here and get your get your thoughts, okay? A little behind the scenes, a little intel, which is tough to come by these days because we can't see practice, and it's a new coaching staff. And it's, it's not easy, but we're, we're making it work. James Blackman, I'm told, looking pretty good. The floor has been elevated for him these uh, last few days. He's still... Good James, bad James. I think that's kind of in his DNA. But uh, but I'm told that, that the turnovers aren't mounting into multiple turnover days. That so he's been been pretty good. And obviously, we've talked about the mechanics seem to look a little bit better in the video. We can see. I'm told that that's true. That FSU's worked on him with that. So his floor being raised. That's really positive for FSU. Another little tidbit: Chaz Neal. Apparently, we've heard good things about him. Legitimately, he's doing well in practice. I don't know if he's going to be a starter this year, but. He does seem like someone who continues to to elevate his play, and I think that's going to be a, a nice development for Florida State just from a, a depth standpoint. So someone looks like someone who can give you something this year is how it was described to me. All right, that, that's my scoop. Thoughts? Let's undress that. Well, with Blackman, I think it comes down to how he absorbs the playbook and how he plays in games. I mean, we the meltdowns happen in games. We know what he is as a practice player. And we expect him to mature in that setting as he probably has. With Neil, that's good news. I mean, that's a big positive. They need a tackle body to be depth tackle. And, you know, if he can handle that, that's excellent. You know, maybe that's a credit to – well, it's a credit to him in part. Chaz is a kid that's worked really hard at his craft and at reshaping his body, but also probably a credit to Coach Atkins. I, I think in general and talking to, you know, Devontae Love-Taylor and a couple other offensive linemen here since camp began, and even just knowing how Atkins operates and having talked to people that he's dealt with in the past, I think it's coaching. If you want to take to it, you're going to improve as a player. You're going to have a better understanding of how to operate as your position player. And, you know, that's probably a good thing for Chaz. I think Chaz is always taking the coaching because he's kind of wired that way. But I think having a really good coach is probably going to benefit him a great deal. And then a couple of other, these aren't tidbits that I'm gathering or we're gathering as a website through reporting. This is just more so watching the clips FSU is putting out there and talking to players. A few different names that just kind of keep popping up when you talk to either Coach Norvell or you hear from other other players as well. Uh, Kentron Potier and Warren Thompson at wide receiver. You think you think Warren's putting it all together? Because it kind of sounds like a, this is the second or third time that Norvell's mentioned him as, as someone who's starting to to show those glimpses. And we see FSU kind of keep highlighting him as well in their photos and video packages too. 
I thought the most important word used with Warren Thompson was used yesterday, and that word was consistency. consistency. That, that's been what's escaped him a large part in his career here. Now, some of it is reps have been lim- limited for him, but I think his reps have been limited because of an inconsistent nature. If he can figure it out, he's a swing dude for them as an offense. He can make a huge yeah. impact. And with Kentron, I think that it's beautiful to see a big, tall receiver that goes up and gets it. And, you know, we've had big receivers here in the past who allowed the ball to come to them, and that's an aggravating thing for you when you have the mismatch. Like, you should have with a guy with those measurements. In Kentron's case, you know, two of the highlights turned in by him in five days of camp are him going up and grabbing the ball. Yeah. And that's what he did in high school too. That's I was really intrigued by that take late in the recruiting process. FSU legitimately beat out Florida for him, uh, but that's what I liked about him was he was a big guy who was aggressive and graceful, and that seems to be kind of manifesting itself in production right now. Josh, you uh, give yourself a pat on the back. You were you were as high on Warren Thompson as everyone. Looks like you bought bought in at the right time on that. Yeah, stock. he was a team Tampa guy. I'm I'm always going to go hard <laughs> on those guys. So yeah, no, Warren Thompson was um, a prospect that was introduced to me, I think going into his junior season. Uh, he played on team Tampa for two seasons. He's outstanding. I've always said Warren Thompson can be as good as he wants to be once he figures out how good he is. That was one of the things with team Tampa was just he didn't realize what a monster he could be on the football field. There was a couple times where it would come out of him when he would be challenged, um, when 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 guys would on the defense would kind of go at him and he would get frustrated. All of a sudden, this monster would come out and he would just take over games. We're still just waiting for Warren Thompson to do that at this level. And I, I believe he can. Um, maybe this is the breakout year for him. God, that would be so big for Florida State's wide receiver room to give someone with that size opposite of Tamori and Terry that you can kind of integrate the slot wide receivers how you want. You can move Terry around. I mean, there's just so many options that open up if you have that consistent number two option outside with that size. That that, that would be exciting. Uh, two other names that I want to throw out there real quick on defensive side of the ball, Raymond Woody third and Jarvis Brownlee. Uh, Jarvis wasn't super happy that I omitted him from a a, a breakout candidate story early this year and or this uh, this offseason but you know what I'm happy to provide the motivation for you Jarvis you go ahead and, and come up with an interception every other day in practice let's get it that'd be a big development and then Raymond Woody too uh, him him emerging as someone who consistently make plays he did that late in spring or I guess not late in spring we only had three practices in spring but he was making plays almost every single day in the spring and now he's recording an interception every other practice for Florida State That'd be really nice if you can get both of those guys to to elevate the depth there. Woody is so funny to me. I feel like people don't give him his due. He is so consistent, and he has been. He's been consistent since many minute he walked on campus. He, he was a guy that you could instantaneously put on special teams if needed. He was a reliable depth piece at safety, and now he's going to push for some playing time at safety, especially if a guy like Nas is down for a while. I think Woody's the kind of guy that can easily step up and be a too deep, crucial piece, potentially even a starter needed at the safety spots. Um, I just think he's a really- and Brownlee and Brownlee had a nice spring too. Remember yeah. that, Chris? The first couple of days, he he flashed and looks like he's carried that over too. I think that's what's cool is both these guys look good in the spring and now are looking good early in camp here. Yeah, I'm hoping we talk to Coach Woodson, you know, potentially today or tomorrow. Um, I'm just interested to pick his mind on the secondary. He's got a whole lot of guys back there, especially some really good young, talented guys, those two being two of them, Travis J being another one that comes to mind, plus those new pieces like uh, Jarvian Jones and um, Miko Dotson. Miko Dotson. You, know, you I, always forget Miko. I just want to find out how he intends to figure it all out. You know, 
I think the safety spot's probably the most intriguing thing. But there's a lot of talent. I wonder how much they like to rotate. You know, some teams don't like to rotate. Some teams want to rotate a lot to keep guys fresh for late game situations. I think this team depth at the positions is built to rotate. So I'm interested to see how they navigate everything with those guys back there. I, I think there's a lot of really, really good talent. And it's good to see some of those young guys. You know, I feel like Woody showed that he was going to be capable of doing what he's doing now last year. Brownlee did, I'd say, to a lesser degree last year. But I think it's very good to see that you're kind of seeing those leaps and you're hearing the coaches mention it. You know, Norvell went out of his way to talk about some guys yesterday more so than ever before during camp. And mm-hmm. I think both of those names were uttered by him. Jerry and Jones or Jari and Jones, you mentioned, Chris, seems like someone else who keeps kind of popping up both in the highlights and then uh, players or coaches bringing up his name, too. So, yeah, the, uh, he, the, tra- the transfer thing. Uh, you know, I've compared the FSU's effort with transfers bringing in. They technically brought in nine, but eight of them are with the team still. Um, I've compared it to Louisville last year. I think it's all about raising that floor and creating a more competitive atmosphere. And I think mm-hmm. we are seeing that through five days of camp that, you know, love it. Jones, Dodson certainly have brought about that element. Love Taylor's a guy who's been essentially penciled in as a starter at right tackle. So, and Jordan Wilson's guy who's helping the tight end room. So I think we're seeing that kind of across the board where that that is having the effect that you were hoping when you went and used scholarships on those guys instead of potentially a high school or junior college prospect. That's one thing I've heard is when you mentioned competitiveness, uh, that's one other little detail I'll put out there is that guys have responded pretty well this preseason. I think there's going to be a lot of sloppiness just from not having a spring and learning a new system. I think that's going to be something that FSU has to deal with, but who knows, like other programs – may have to be dealing with something similarly, not quite as much as FSU because of the simple amount of installation they have to put in with a, a new scheme on both sides of the ball. But guys have had energy through the first few days. If someone has had a bad day, we've seen them rebound, I've been told. So like there, there's there been what, what sounds like early on in camp, take it with a grain of salt because we're not there watching it, but guys responding in a way that's productive with competitiveness kind of surging throughout the roster. And I think that ultimately – if true, is an encouraging development. Yeah, and Saturday's a scrimmage, so we'll get knocked up even a notch, and sometimes those help to uh, take guys who are doing really well and reinforce that and take guys who are doing really well and give them a bad day. That kind of makes them, you know, tie the laces again and go back out there the next day and work their way back up. So I, I think Saturday will be a nice little moving day for essentially that will be, what, day eight of camp at that point. So I, I think that will be – intriguing to hear some returns on that on Saturday evening. Intriguing. I like it. All right. Let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back on the other side, we got some recruit scoop for you. Then we'll wrap up the podcast. Introducing the two way V4 where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance with fuel cell. Each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return paired with fresh foam experience, maximum comfort throughout the game. It's lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to On the Bench, finishing up here with some intel that Joshua Newberg, Chris Neen, Zach Blaustein have accumulated throughout the last week. Uh, real quick, I'm just going to work my way down the list here. Amari Harvey, we kind of discussed this two podcasts ago when Chris was talking about the safety position. Who were they focusing on? Uh, Amari Harvey sounds like he's going to commit soon. We don't expect it to be Florida State. I, I think Florida State kind of seemed to – both those two sides kind of seemed to move on in the past month or two. Is that fair to say, fellas? Yeah. Uh, Florida State has three defensive back commitments. Um, I learned that Florida State has kind of – backed off Amari Harvey more than just a couple weeks. Like he said, I think it's, it's been more like a month or two. Um, they're going to focus on Terry on Arnold moving forward. I think it just comes down to the tape. Um, they feel Terry and Arnold is an elite type player. They got room for one more of those. I don't think Terry and Arnold is going to be the last DB they, they recruit. Um, he's just an elite type that is giving them, showing them interest. I think if they can come across another one that they, they find comparable to Terry and Arnold, they'll add him to the board. But for now, that's the focus. Is that surprising to you, Josh, that they moved off from Harvey, given that he's a local kid, given that they seem to be very interested in him early on? I'm not sure what changed I think, there. It's surprising I me. think that the last staff was in love with, with Harvey. They kind of passed that relationship off to this staff. And I think um, – you know, they had, it's tricky. He's a local kid. Yes. You, you don't want to kind of rustle the leaves too much with the local prospects, but ultimately I don't think they felt like he was a great fit at FSU. I think another thing worth mentioning is that's a position with a lot of depth and a lot of it's young at DB. So I, I don't, I think that FSU to some degree is trying to be careful with their numbers and make sure they have space potentially for the transfer market mm -hmm. um, at mm -hmm. the end of the day. So I, I think it's a matter of if you don't feel like you have to have two more DBs and you have two to pick from locally that you love, it probably makes more sense to go all in with the one you truly are in love with versus one who you just like a lot. And I think Harvey falls into that second category. So I think it's sort of having to intelligently pick. It's probably from a just a – outsider's view it's probably not gonna be great to see fsu losing out on a local kid in the sense of him going elsewhere most likely auburn but i don't know that they care that much about the whole local thing right now i don't i don't know that they're obsessed with the idea of we have to get locals obviously they would like to get some locals we know they want arnold they already have josh farmer i'm sure they would if they could go back in time and get him they would love Xavier on sorry for example i'm not saying they're dancing away from locals I'm just saying I don't think they're steadfastly connected to the belief that we have to take him because he is local. All right. On the front page of Knowles247.com, currently as we record this podcast, this is a story that Zach Blaustein put together. He caught up with Lawrence Seymour, the Miami Hurricane Office Alignment Commit. Sounds like FSU still going in on him. Uh, which one of you guys has edited Zach's story and wants to discuss it? I can um Seymour has been in regular contact with FSU all off season and he maintained that when he talked to Zach this week um he's talking to Alex Atkins weekly and also Mike Norvell um you know these conversations don't go very far but they are staying in contact weekly because until you can really visit um 
there's not much more to say or do. Seymour uh, is listening to FSU. He also says that he'd like to take some visits whenever he's able to, and he'd like to check out Penn State, Georgia, Florida State, Miami, and Florida. Um, no, no news on if he's going to open up his commitment or make another decision, but it's just good to know that FSU is still in contact with the number 11 offensive guard in the nation and the number 154 prospect overall. Yeah, and he intends to be an early enrollee. So, yes. you know, with the fact that the dead period, which I know we we're going to get to here in a moment, has been pushed back again now, the legislation plan is end of September. The window for visits is becoming very, very limited. Look at that. We're just letting Zach go ahead and post stuff all by himself now, mm-hmm. huh? I like it. I like it. He's earned it. So let's talk about that real quick. The visits uh, that maybe didn't happen in August, what we think FSU's plan for visits coming up in the future are. Josh, I'm going to throw this to you because you had essentially thought there were going to be a handful of, of visits, at least potentially in August. There were some, but maybe not as many as you initially were were thinking. No, I thought there was going to be a handful of decisions in August. Um, ah, okay. And I guess there has been, but, you know, Florida State's not really in those conversations anymore. Last week, we saw three top in-state prospects make their decisions. Um, a bunch of Palmetto boys, Leonard Taylor, five-star defensive end, five-star DB, Jason Marshall, and four-star defensive back, Corey Collier. And if you do need a wake-up call for Florida State recruiting, this is it. Uh, I mean, Florida State wasn't even a hat on the table for any of those kids. So right now, I think it's just time to focus on the season for Florida State. Back in June, I was told, hey, FSU is going to get some visitors on campus in July. They're going to make a push for it. See what see what they can, you know, who's going to come to town. We did see a little a a little bit of that. Um, We saw what I think it was four total visitors, a couple offensive linemen. Uh, come through campus and now we get to August and I think that you're going to see the visits slow down one for two reasons because Florida State's back in camp and also the kids are back in camp but also the NCAA rules change we hit on this on one of the earlier podcasts a couple weeks ago but FSU's no longer not just FSU but programs are no longer allowed to do the virtual visits while a student athlete is on campus which makes no sense um, but those are the rules. So I think for now, we're going to see visits push back. We're going to see decisions maybe come more toward the later side of this month, but so far during August, it's been a slow recruiting month for Florida state. So far. Yeah. And the only thing I'll add to that from the Palmetto perspective, I, I don't think Collier was really a FSU target for this staff. He was a guy that the previous staff had offered and dealt with a good bit. And obviously his father played here, so he was a legacy. But there was never any indication in the last eight months in my mm-hmm. conversation with him, with people's conversations with that school and with him, that FSU's current staff was really super active with him. Yeah. So, you know, some people are going to spend that against FSU. I don't think this staff was aggressively pursuing him. Yeah. But FSU still not in the conversation for a lot of these top kids in the state right now, unfortunately. No, but they're not going to be till relationships are better established and they show somewhat of a product on the field. Yeah. Right? I think that I think the second part of that, the product on the field, was always going to be true, pandemic or no pandemic. The first half has been stymied by the pandemic. Yeah. Well, I think spring football would have helped a lot. Um, it's it's one yeah. thing to talk about your offense and and tell these players what it's going to look like, but it's another to get them on campus during 
the month of spring practice and let them see it. And we know Florida State had visitors lined up. They were going to be there during yeah. the spring. And, and unfortunately, now they're going to have to wait until maybe September to see what it's really going to look like on the field. Now, October at this point. Yesterday, legislation, along with the opt-out rule that was applied yesterday or pushed for uh, approval, the dead period is going to be till the end of September. So, and I think that can is going to keep getting kicked down. The road, I was going to say that's going to, that's going to keep getting pushed. I, I think until every school that is playing football is able to allow fans in the stadium to some degree, some percentage, I'm not convinced the NCAA is going to allow visits. And then you got the whole other can of worms of conferences not participating, you know, uneven playing field issues. Truthfully, they need to scrap the early signing period, allow kids that want to early enroll to sign like they always would have, you know, granted aid to a scholarship, however you want to do it in December. But the actual early signing period probably needs to be scrapped this year, but we'll see if they get to that point in making rules and adjusting things. They, Norvell was in favor. Early. Norvell was in favor of that. Back in scrapping March. Early, yeah, back in March before he's kept yeah. getting kicked out. But I wonder yeah, if March they're April, gonna yeah. I wonder if they're going to start painting outside the lines or coloring outside the lines with visits too. Like like Josh had mentioned scholarship counts like what what's who's the NCAA at this point? I wonder at some point if colleges are gonna say, Hey, we have these health protocols where campus feels safe. You guys come and check these boxes off. I beat you to it, Chris. I got the first check the box reference today. Uh come on and, and visit us. We're safe here. Just wear a mask and have these cleaning procedures. And yeah, let's, let's go. Let's have a visit. Be interesting to see. Cause I think all, all bets are off at this point. Last topic for recruiting before we wrap up the podcast, Chris, you caught up with Joshua Farmer. Yep. Good story. Good read. Good information there. Maybe a four-star defensive tackle commits already on the board, and people just didn't know it. Back off my man, Odell. That's all I'm saying. Back off my well, man, Odell. He still wants to be Paul. They really need defensive ends. I mean, you can say that, Brendan. Like, you can say, oh, well, you know, but they still need defensive ends. Andre uh, Jackson. We talked to Fabian Lovett yesterday, and he talked about working at Nose and 3-Tech. To me, I think there's some of that to Joshua Farmer as far as how his body's developing. The story pertained to he's 6'3 254 these days, and he was around 6'2 half. 250 when he committed but the body is much different it's not like he just gained four pounds he has really reshaped his body dropped his bmi improved his conditioning improved his feet he's worked really hard it's a credit to coach fuller out at gadsden county Corey fuller former seminal um he along with members of his staff like coach riz coach roots chris and uh mark lyles who does like strength and conditioning and works with kids a great deal and used to run a training facility here in tallahassee they, they had a matter-of-fact, honest conversation with Farmer when he came into Gadsden County here that he needed to, you know, be attentive to his work ethic and that he can really improve as a player physically if he wants to. And he's done that. He's taken to it. He's worked really, really hard. And he credits Coach Lyles a great deal with being a guy that put him to work and did a great job of working with him. And he feels a world of difference with it. And he's busted his ass. He's a guy that took this pandemic and – time away from the classroom and the time away from the field with his teammates and he took it upon himself to make himself into a better person and player and he believes he's done that now i'm hoping he gets to play a senior season and we get to see the improvement on the field the returns that come from his improved nature physically to see if uh 
you know, he's kind of ramped it up. He he considers himself a strong side defensive end still. He admittedly knows he has a body where it's a large mass and it's wide. And the, the potential of adding more to that, you know, saying I had 25, 30 pounds easily there. So gravitating more to the inside is certainly a possibility. But, you know, he said FSU, he talks to Coach Fuller, Coach Hagans, uh, Clint, which is uh, – Clint's specific role, I believe, is defensive line assistant. I can't remember if he's a grad assistant, quality control. I can't remember specifically on him. But those are guys he likes. He gets along with them real well, talks to them regularly. They believe that he uh, can be an inside-out kind of guy, that he can do a little bit of both. So I just wanted to catch up with him. Um, you know, he's a guy that committed late January, and we hadn't really talked to him at length for several months. So I figured it was time to give him a little shine. It was nicely done, and it was well-received on those 24-7. So uh, more of those. More, 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 more recruiting updates. That's what we want. Sorry, the caffeine is finally starting to hit in, uh, getting getting the jitters right now. Do you want to wrap this podcast up? Do we have anything else to go over? Nope. Neither Josh nor Chris are actually looking into the camera right now. They've checked out. We're done here. I'm done. I think the podcast is finished, finalized, finito. Going to wrap this up. For Chris New, wow. Josh Newberg. Oh, what, what, what? I was just, I was just getting my groove there to, to stick the landing. Sorry. Uh, apparently, uh, our buddy Warren Thompson has posted an extended message on Instagram pertaining to some of the earlier subject matter about safety and how things are going. And let us know, Warren. It, what's what's it, Warren got it, to it, say? I'm interested. Read it to, in read it to us live. Instant reaction. Well, Get a screenshot it, too before it gets deleted, Chris. It's lengthy. It's a uh, we got a time. Athlete. This is. This is posted on our message board, but it's liked by like DJ Matthews and 51 others. I believe this is Warren's Instagram. I don't think we're being Hold on, I'm, I'm getting my popcorn. Be Hold on, Chris. Go ahead. Being a student athlete is difficult during this time, and the proper leadership regarding these problems does not exist. Oh, boy. During this entire week of camp, I've been lied to multiple times about the conditions of other players' health as well as mine. It has been shown to myself and the rest that our leadership is based off in quotations and I mentality, eyes in quotations. Josh is literally with, eating food while he's listening um, to this. Go ahead. Go with, ahead them only, with them only worried about their own future rather than their own athletes. I have been ridiculed about speaking up regarding this issue, and it needs to be addressed for myself to safely continue the season. I myself am an introvert, meaning my days go from being at the football facilities and back home day by day. I have done my best to take the proper precautions for myself and my teammates to try and ensure a healthy environment during these radical times. I want to play for Florida State University and have a great season for myself and our supporters. The lies from our leaders have backed myself into corner, should be into a corner, putting my overall well-being into in jeopardy. The neglect to respond to the issue is very concerning and why I've drawn attention to it. You wrote drown, but it should be drawn attention to it. I put 1,000% into this team and my own craft. I've got so much to prove to the world, and this problem is growing greater, potentially preventing that from happening because I've spoken up. So it's not shocking. We alluded to this when we discussed let, let, the protocols. Let's dive into this. Yeah. Remember what? Hold Go on. Ahead, Josh. Remember in the beginning of the podcast, I said I felt that this season was going to be played, and there was players. no adults that were going to derail this. The only thing that would derail this was going to be the players. And this is exactly well, what I well, meant. And, it's, and this is, I think, clear, the, the iceberg. The clarify players on that real quick, need, Josh. 
the players do need to be safe. Like that is priority one. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make some great statements about coronavirus. I'm nowhere near that ballpark of understanding. But for this to happen, for us to play football in this non-bubble environment, the player safety has to be priority one. And they have to figure out how to create a balance of that. And they cannot, for lack of a better term, tick off the student athlete. Because if they do, they will lose the team and they will not be able to pull off the season they're hoping to have. And that the student athlete also wants to have. But the student athlete wants to do it in a safe environment. And you can't go and sit and have a roundtable and put specifics on the table in speaking and not execute that plan above and beyond 100%. And I believe FSU is making a great deal of effort to execute that plan at a high level. It's a lot of work for a lot of people, what's going on right now. So I'm not trying to diminish FSU's efforts because I think David Coburn created a nice plan. I think they're making a great deal of effort to execute it. They obviously have the lab on campus, which shows some foresight from them. There's certainly an effort, but it has to be done to a manner where you have student athletes championing it instead of chirping at it, which is what we're seeing here and to a degree with DJ going public with his issue yesterday. And it's going to happen. I'm not acting like we're living in a situation where it's not going to happen, but you got to resolve it. You got to nip it in the bud and it's not by suppressing their voice. It's by satisfying their needs. The issue at hand, as I see it, I agree with everything you just said, Chris, that was well, that was well put together. And Warren's note was was well put together and thoughtful. Who do you too, think wrote uh, that? Was my instant reaction to it. I think he did. Warren's note was well put together and thoughtful. Um, I definitely the issue think at hand is, it uh, I, probably Josh. Uh, the way I see things is, as Chris said, if you're going to champion your plan and your protocols, and specify what these plans and protocols are, which FSU did the other day. Uh, you can't have handfuls of players thinking that those protocols that you're saying are happening aren't happening as consistently as you're implying well, them, which is an issue. I also think now we can talk more openly about those subtweets that were going on during the press conference. Yeah, let's do it now. Because now people it's want to put names, And to there it. was a lot of players that were indirectly or directly calling their, I'll just say leaders. I'm not going to put it on a, on a single person. But there was a lot of players out there calling the leaders of this liars. During the press conference, this was going on. Players on the team I was were, told, were tweeting that. I was told by one source that there haven't been tests in weeks. Another one even said months. I, I don't, but I can't confirm that. So this is rumors that we're getting into, but clearly there are players who feel uncomfortable with, with some of the protocols and they don't feel like they're being protected. Some, some. Not all. Again, we're talking about hundreds of players here. I've heard from a couple sources now, Warren Thompson uh, putting a name on it publicly, and some of the players that, that seem to be subtweeting the other day included uh, LaDamian Webb, Isaiah Bolden, I think a couple more. Janarius Robinson. But there are some players who Janarius Robinson seemed to sign off on that, but again, they weren't being specific, so we're taking some liberties there and, and assuming that's what they were directly that. talking about. I think you can too. I'm just trying to protect us. It's and, a sports podcast, Brendan. It's okay. I, I think right now, student athletes, everybody involved with athletics is sort of mentally exhausted. Mm -hmm. And I think you got to tread lightly and do things in a really overreaching, positive manner to satisfy their needs. And if you don't, it's going to blow up on you.
it's just it's the environment that we're in currently i mean hell we saw it with the message back in what was that start of june or start of july i don't started specifically start mm-hmm. of june you know saw it then i think that's a lesson you got to learn from you got to be words matter when you say them you got to live them and you got to live them above and beyond and if they want to pull off this fall season at florida state and in college athletics they they got to do it they can't they can't uh allow for it to become such a distraction that it drowns out the noise of we want to play versus we're not doing this the right way. You got to do it the right way. And I know that's tough and that's a huge task and I'm glad I'm not tasked with it, Yeah. but you know, it, it has to be done. It's plain and simple. You got to go above and beyond. I, I think, you know, we've, we've had the pleasure of now seeing bubbles in multiple sports and seeing other sports non bubble and try to do things. I think we've seen that when you do it, the right way, I'd say the NHL probably has done arguably the best job of anybody. Soccer's up there too. Um, it it can work, and but you gotta you gotta go above and beyond, and you gotta create as much of a bubble environment as you can for these college athletics, which is gonna be super difficult when students return to campus to some yeah. degree. But you have to go above and beyond with doing it. And when things do flare up, when there is a situation where you believe a player may be a positive. You know, and you got to start worrying about contact tracing. You got to go above and beyond with anybody that that affects and make sure their mind is put at ease because if it's not, I think what we're seeing right there, what I just read, I think that's what's going to happen. And that's tough. That's an ongoing balancing act that has to be executed by coaches, athletic directors, presidents, training staffs, medical staffs, uh, and above and beyond. And, you know, you just got to do it. There, it's, if you're gonna try to play in the fall, it has to be done. There, there's no, there's no half stepping with this that can be done. All right, so let's wrap this up because this was this wasn't planned. Uh, part of the podcast, obviously, but it was applicable to what we were talking about earlier. But I want to go ahead I, and get this podcast done because I want to post it before it's irrelevant. Yeah, I just didn't want the headlines curse to invade us where we, we record something and the news immediately breaks after. So I just didn't want that to happen. So uh, I know- No, I, I appreciate it because it was topical, Chris, and it was fortunate that you looked at your phone at the time you did. Yeah. I had someone just text me right now, the the Warren. Uh, they sent me a screenshot. And they said, I bet you uh, Sinone's stroking out right now. <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I started to I stay mean, off Sinone, in a you, weird You mood. were trying to cancel college football. That must be a good, yeah, I read that that must be a good friend of yours. Because he knows you very well. I don't think it's a secret that I'm neurotic, Joshua. And you know, can I say something real quick about the me canceling college football posts? I don't really care about that aspect of it. That's silly. B-R-E-N-D-A-N. And then someone else later in the post said B-R-E-N-N-A-N. <laughs> so your name being misspelled is what really hurt your feelings, not the fact that they said you're single-handedly trying to cancel college football. By reporting on the DJ Matthews thing? Is that what they were saying? There was only one yeah. person that was that was making yeah, a stupid. loud. You, Brendan, you didn't do anything wrong. Don't worry. Thanks, guys. We need to do a podcast where we can just uh, do therapy sessions with me and and <laughs> get one star reviews. The uh, the college football season going to be either put on or canceled by the student athlete, yeah. and yep. I think we I think we all understand that. But the thing is, the parties that can impact the student athlete the greatest, which is the people around them have to do it in the best manner and or the actual parties that they go to could really impact the season as well chris oh i don't want to think about that i i do think i said on tuesday after the 
the round table that I think standing on a stage for 40 minutes and adults speaking about something is something that is, you put yourself in some danger because there are a lot of words out there and you have to live up to all of them. And if you don't, some of this happens. So when, when after the, after the round table, Josh called, I don't know if he was checking in on me at this point again, or just wanted to get my thoughts on it. But as I was hearing from Sorcy that I was texting you guys being like, all right, there's some people that are not super thrilled with what was said today uh, within the program. Josh and I kind of, we had these little workshops, these little conversations and Josh opened up the podcast with it today, which is, and you just said, Chris, now that the season will be played ultimately if the players feel comfortable playing in the ACC and SEC, they control that. They have leverage in this regard too. We talked about that in the last podcast. Uh, Yeah. This is going to be a lot on, on if players feel safe and and that though goes up to the institutions that are, uh, that are putting them on the field too. So it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks, I think. Uh, hey, we opened up the podcast. Let's send it this way. Opened up the podcast, asking if we think there's going to be a football season in September. Do we still feel yes? Yes, yes, yes. I'm leaning towards yes, still yes. I'm, it's I'm, amazing I'm, I'm, how much it it's changes. It's so funny. I'm sticking, I'm sticking with yes until we see presidents of either the ACC or the SEC get real, uh, you know, kind of half mouthed statements. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, for right now they're dance partners and they're dancing, and the Big Twelve's hanging out at the party too. And as long as that's happening, football is going to happen. But you know, I asked David Coburn on the side at the end of that press conference, "Do you feel like the ACC's in line?" And he's like, "Yes, but these things change very quickly." <laughs> they do. Josh, before the podcast, you asked me why I was grumpy and stressed. This is why. Just strange times, uncertainty changing constantly we'll call you later and check on you okay all right go aggregate that warren thompson story love you guys five star reviews takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.